We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime and Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I am joined by Sean Siegel, co-host of Rotoviz Overtime, co-owner of Rotoviz, and co-host of Stealing Bananas podcast. Sean, I mentioned this briefly before we started recording today, but I'm going to give a plug for it. I do this sometimes at the start of the OT shows, but Stealing Bananas, the Wednesday edition this week, you talked about players not being aggressive or still needing to be more aggressive in 2022 on that episode of stealing bananas i told you i think it is one of the best stealing bananas episodes that you have ever done so anyone who hasn't checked that out i would highly recommend doing so phenomenal phenomenal show with sean and ben gretch but as we kick off today's show we are going to look at some players that listeners have asked are we too high on or are we too low on we're going to dive into that in just a moment but sean how are you as we kick off the saturday edition of the show good we've been doing a lot of shows but i think a wide variety of shows and that's one of the things that i do really enjoy right now is that it's open season on everything and within the last week week and a half i've written player evaluation articles best ball strategy articles redraft player and strategy articles dynasty player and strategy articles and to have all of that going on at the same time while we have training camps while we're getting ready for the first preseason games, it's just, it's the perfect time of the year, right? The anticipation is building. Nobody is wrong yet. Not that many players have gotten injured yet. Obviously a few sadly, but mostly the NFL is healthy and injured players are actually trending in the right direction. We're close to getting some of these stars back. And so Everything is golden right now, Colin. And I'm excited for the show today. We're going to talk, as you mentioned, too high, too low. And the very straightforward answer before we start is that, yes, we're obviously too high on some players and too low on others. But we don't know who those players are going to be. And it probably will turn out to be different guys than the ones who jump out. But it's definitely good to make sure you go through the process of asking yourself this question. And one of the things that I do find is that Putting together the response to some of these questions gives me some more information and you know forces me to think through it in a way that sometimes is very, very helpful, right? I mean, we look at these players from the perspective of, you know, I watch every NFL game, 
we write all of the in-season articles. We do the in-season podcasts where we reflect on what they're doing. And then you spend the full off-season creating rankings, you know, go through, going through the projection process, looking at these players within the range of outcomes tool, the win the flex tool. You can create your own projections in the projection machine. You can also get very good projections by using the regression feature in the Rotoviz screener. I love to look at these players in the weekly stat explorer, which gives a lot of expected points information. We are going to talk about that a little bit here in a minute. But even with all of that, you can get kind of you can get your thinking on a player going in one direction and find it sort of moving little by little in that you know, further in that direction without realizing it. And then sometimes a question like this will bring you back and you know you really want to answer that of well why am I high on this player why am I low on this player and very explicitly be able to make the case because otherwise you're probably letting yourself just shift a little bit or slide you know you have this migration in the direction of extremes which sometimes that's helpful i mean you mentioned the aggressiveness show that we did for stealing bananas and why it is important to go after some of those players that you were on the extremes on but basically that's a long-winded way to introduce this topic and say that i i am excited to, to go through some of these questions and explain why we are high and why we are low on certain people yeah, so it is good too. The the listeners want to keep us accountable. They want to know why we maybe are passing by certain players in certain drafts. And sometimes we will make comments about why we're not drafting, but maybe we don't go in depth because we're on the clock and we're moving through the process. So two of the players we're going to talk about here at the start are Dalvin Cook and Aaron Jones. And the first one is Dalvin Cook. So the question does come in, why are you guys not in on Dalvin Cook this season? So it says, Sean often talks about him as one of the best pure runners in the NFL and loves watching him, but in your drafts, you rarely, if ever, take him. Do you not think he could be that hero RB in 2022? He feels a bit similar to the Andre Swift as far as injury concern, and this Minnesota offense could be great this season. And we are obviously in on Swift too. It's obviously on the Detroit Lions offense, but as a explosive offense, there is that opportunity there that the the Minnesota Vikings with the likes of uh, Justin Jefferson could I produce that with the, the new offensive coordinator and things like that. So Sean, I'll let you go first because not last season, the season prior, I believe it was, was Dalvin Cook was your guy heading into this season. I have a pretty good understanding of where you're going to go with the answer, but uh, I'll let you take it away. Well, Colin, let's bring in the second part of this question as well because it refers to Aaron Jones and it says a similar question with no heavy favorite to lead pass catchers in green Bay. Why are you guys not taking more Aaron Jones? His splits with Devonte Adams out are stunning. Do you not think he has high potential because of the time split with Dylan, or maybe you all just like the receivers in that range better. I, I think there's some interesting statistical comparisons between these three guys, which is why I wanted to mention Aaron Jones too. And you are also obviously a very big Green Bay Packers fan. It's the team that you follow the most closely. And so I think that you're going to have some feelings on this one. Why don't you start us out? We've got three NFC North backs here. How are you kind of breaking them down for yourself when you're going through these drafts? And obviously, Colin, you and I are drafting a lot together, but you're also drafting with Connor. You're drafting a lot with Zachary Kruger and then celebrity guests, obviously just 
uh, recorded another one of those earlier today, which you have released on the Best Ball channel at this point. Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Devon, uh, DeAndre Swift. Where are you going with these guys? You teased the uh, the show that was JJ Zachary recent. It was on. We actually drafted Dalvin Cook in that draft, uh, which is funny enough. But that's one of my first shares of him this year. The answer to the question, I think part of it is obviously in the question itself in that second part where you mentioned, or maybe you just like the wide receivers in that range. And that is the part mainly for me is the 1v1 selection options there. Now, I The other part of that is we talk a lot about the expected workload at the start of the season, the expected performance off the offense. And I think the expectation at the moment is that Aaron Jones is going to get this you know massive target share in the Packers offense. I think when the season starts, it probably isn't going to be as realistic as things play out. But my main difference between DeAndre Swift, Dalvin Cook, and Aaron Jones is the age profile of these players. So Aaron Jones is going to be 28 this December, so he's entering into his age 28 season. Dalvin Cook is going to be 27 when it comes here to us in August. And then DeAndre Swift just turned 23 in January. So we have younger players who have been in the league less. And I think that over both those guys, I think DeAndre Swift is on the ascent. The reason I was asking you the question around Dalvin Cook is when you were pushing him as a potential running back one overall two seasons ago, that was when he was, you know, 23 entering his 24 season. And, uh, you know, the upside was there, was a little bit untapped at that point. So I think DeAndre Swift is very much in that category to where Dalvin Cook was two seasons ago. And that is the reason why I would be targeting Swift. I also think the pass catching profile that he has shown uh, in that offense as well, which I expect to most likely be behind in most games, is going to lead to a lot of opportunities for him to rack up those pass catching uh, points, obviously. I was trying to think of what word to go with, but points is probably the way to go. So that is where I'm ranking it. I do think that Aaron Jones does have upside this year, but I also have a lot of concerns around the Packers' pace of play. We've talked about it on the show a number of times, and it has been that way with Matt LaFour and with Aaron Rodgers, and I don't think that's going to change this year. I think the Packers are going to be very good. I've talked about it. I think the defense is going to be very good. I don't think they're going to have to put up huge points to win games, and that's also going to negatively affect the likes of Aaron Jones. Uh, Dalvin Cook, you mentioned the injury concern with DeAndre Swift, who did miss a portion of last season with an injury. We have seen Cook with the longer career, more tread on the tires, and he has had more injuries, particularly around the shoulder, which is never really a good sign for the running back position. So I just think there's a, a couple of factors where if we flip the ages of Swift and Dalvin Cook, we probably are drafting Cook at the rate that we're drafting DeAndre Swift at the moment. So, Sean, what are some of your thoughts on it? But mine are mainly age profile and ADP releases. I think that's exactly right. And the question here was, are we drafting receivers over Aaron Jones and yes and no is the answer i do think that when we're looking at dalvin cook it's also this question of do we like some other players a little bit better and so i I like to cross-reference this with several tools to make sure i'm thinking about it properly you look at dalvin cook and his adp is right there with Devonte adams a player that I still am drafting quite a bit. I don't expect him to be as good with Derek Carr, but I think Derek Carr is underrated. I think Devontae Adams still is going to have a, a huge 
target volume. And I do think that he's very, very good, even though obviously we know that Aaron Rodgers is someone who will elevate his past catchers. You watch some of the routes, uh, the ability of Devontae Adams to get open both with elite agility, elite leaping ability, and even something as simple as you know bringing his hands up late. And, and this is a quarterback element to this as well, but we all know about those sideline catches where the ball seems to drop down and even when Adams is covered, but the pass is so perfect and then his hands come up so late that the defensive back doesn't even realize the ball is there until it's in Adams' hands. Will they be able to execute all of those things with the Raiders? Probably not to the same level, but I still think that you want that superstar wide receiver at that range. And Devontae Adams is absolutely that. You check him out into the tools and his last two seasons are absolutely extraordinary. So when you get that discount, he's going at the very end of the first round as opposed to up with the three star receivers, which he would be if he had stayed with the Packers, then we want to take that into consideration. The other thing we want to take into consideration is the cook is actually going below Derrick Henry. And you look at what these two guys did last season, the EP numbers for Henry above 20 expected points per game. Dalvin Cook actually took a fall, goes to just around 17, just a tick below that. But the other thing is that the efficiency for Dalvin Cook cratered while Derrick Henry was still at four FPOE. So a big gap in the actual scoring level between these two players, both of them dealing with injuries last season. That's been a consistent concern for Cook. I That's not necessarily the reason that we haven't taken a lot of him. But we looked at him, and you had mentioned, I think it's probably the age 24 going into age 25 season, but very much on him. He looked like a guy who was going to be a star. He did that for the games that he was healthy, but he did have this at least mildly unsustainable profile where he had 15 rushing expected points a game, five expected receiving points per game. That part of the profile, if it doesn't become more pass game heavy just simply won't work he maintained the five receiving ep last year the rushing ep numbers really drop again there are some games mixed in there where he didn't play a full complement of snaps but you're looking at a player who has a profile that doesn't really work from an ep perspective and then he just simply wasn't as good and that's a red flag for players who are getting older right and you contrast henry and cook in that category that doesn't mean that that's going to necessarily manifest itself in 2022 it's very possible that cook goes out there and looks like you know he looked at 23 it's very possible that henry doesn't come back well off of the injury but when we look at kind of how they would have to move in order for henry to be passed back up by cook you know it's, it's a really a, a pretty big move right so we look at these two guys in the range of outcomes tool and we see henry projected for almost a full point per game more and almost two points per game more at the high level and so from that perspective i think that henry probably is the back who could be undervalued of those two guys who are kind of going at the one two turn now i mean cook still in a lot of ways probably has a little bit more of the profile that we're looking for and especially this season Finally, it seems like those these receiving EP numbers could jump. And I think that that's kind of the thing that's balancing out some of the red flags is that now the drafters are finally thinking, okay, well, this offense could be really dynamic in Minnesota this year. And if it is, then the sky's the limit for him. I don't necessarily disagree with that, but we also do have to look at kind of where the starting point is. And 
if he makes a jump, it's sort of a, the first jump is kind of back to where he was. And then the second jump would be to the league winner status. And so you're really needing sort of two leaps forward. Is that impossible? I mean, absolutely not. I mean, Donald Cook is very, very good as the question notes. And if everything goes right here, I mean, a league winning campaign is definitely in the range of outcomes. I could see that. I think for me, the other thing that is just a little bit of a tiebreaker with those guys is that there is some stuff out there that concerns you a little bit based on how a lot of the suspension stuff works. It seems unlikely that Cook would actually get suspended during the 2022 season. But obviously, Deshaun Watson missed last year without exactly being suspended, right? There are some other things that can happen if you have elements or information go into sort of the media domain and a lot of focus on that, that the team or the league, what have you, says, you know, we want to take a little bit of a break here. I'm not really projecting that. It doesn't seem like that's going to be an issue. But if you're very close on players in that range between a Devontae Adams a Derrick Henry and then a DeAndre Swift coming up from behind, then, I mean, that maybe is a tiebreaker. If you have Dalvin Cook clearly ahead, I would take him and not worry about that part of it. Then we sort of have this question of DeAndre Swift, Aaron Jones, how are we looking at those two players? And Aaron Jones is very tricky. You know, we mentioned the element here where he has these fantastic splits without Devontae Adams. Obviously, he's not going to be with the Packers this season. I do think that there is probably a difference between individual games in season that your superstar wide receiver misses and an entirely new season in which the team has had a chance to plan for that and build a different type of offense. And so this year, you know, everything we hear is that Alan Lazard is going to be the wide receiver one. We hear that Romeo Dubs has been absolutely fantastic and could you know, be a big play threat, could actually be a high volume threat. I mean, he could be the guy. It's not impossible based on, number one, what Dubs did in college. He's somebody that we spent a lot of time talking about during our, our marathon uh, stealing bananas slash OT draft coverage, talking about how he was a better prospect than people realized and that he was a better athlete than people realized that he was a better vertical receiver than people realized. And that's not to say that we were right or that he's actually going to be a star, but there is evidence pointing in the direction of him being a contributor, which would certainly be helpful for the Packers as they try to find some weapons here. Christian Watson, the Uber athlete in a player that, you know, once he gets healthy, someone who was not a high volume dynamic player in college. Now, Watson on very low volume was dynamic at the end of his collegiate tenure. So it's not like he's done absolutely nothing on a football field. As a prospect, there are some very intriguing things about him, which is why the Packers spent the pick that they did. For someone kind of in that spot, though, you'd love to see him be able to practice. I mean, he seems like the person who needs it probably more than anybody else for him to you know, be out with a minor injury right now is unfortunate. But you do have some pieces there in Green Bay. And by the time you get to week one, certainly by the time you get to week nine, you would expect that offense to be functioning more or less as a, a normal NFL offense, as opposed to an offense that has these weekly uh, occasional absences from someone like a Devontae Adams, 
Right. So I think that the idea that the passing game is going to revolve around Aaron Jones, there's some truth to that. And he's going to be a higher volume pass catcher than he would have been with Adams there. But I think that if we're projecting massive spikes, that's probably problematic, especially because Dylan is also there and will also be more involved. Someone who, despite being a big back and having that kind of Derrick Henry athleticism, is also a good receiver. So they're going to balance each other out. And then we get back to this question, just, you know, can both of these guys do it? I don't ever want to be in a full fade situation on Aaron Jones, because I do think he's one of the most athletic and dynamic running backs in the entire NFL. You know, longtime listeners know that that's exactly the profile that I try and target. And it's just in some ways, unfortunate that Aaron Jones is maybe the only small, absolutely electric back who is fully priced. And so then, I mean, you got to go find that profile where you're getting a big discount. You look at the range of outcomes tool and DeAndre Swift, again, a much better projection, both overall and at the high levels. You know, can Aaron Jones claw some of that back this season with a different EP profile? I think probably. But one of the things that I'm kind of looking at here is you go through last season and for both Swift and Jones, there were some injury elements that came into play. And so in many ways, the second half of the season is less telling than the first half. But if we go to the, the time periods and for Aaron Jones, that would be weeks one through nine. For DeAndre Swift, it would be weeks one through 11. Sort of pre-injury, they're playing kind of the full complement of snaps that you would expect them to play this coming season. Aaron Jones at 14.8 total expected points per game. DeAndre Swift at 18.4. Again, it's very possible that those could meet in the middle somewhat, that Jones will be needed more, that Swift might be needed less with some of the receiving elements that they've added there in Detroit. And yet we do have to kind of, again, look at what the first move would be. And, and Aaron Jones has got to take a big step forward to deserve to be in this price range. I mean, it's not anything about him as a talent or as an important piece of the Packers from a reality perspective, but in terms of fantasy price, he's got to make that leap before you can really consider him in that mid two range. There's also the element that if one of the two Green Bay Packers backs gets injured, the other player is almost certainly going to be like right below that Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey level. And so if perhaps just even from that perspective, you're like, I'm okay with the round two price on that. Usually in most of those cases, the round two is just so expensive. And the players that you can get otherwise have these EP profiles that are a little bit more unassailable. If you're trying to play the contingency where a back gets injured, it probably still makes more sense to do that through Dylan, even though, I mean, again, for where the starting point is, I mean, he's going to be very, very expensive. Drafters are all over the fact that these backs are going to score a lot of points. And so they're priced toward the upside until one of them gets hurt. But there are so many other backfields in the NFL where if one of the two players got hurt, you would see even a much bigger jump than you're going to see from these Packers players. So basically the prices on Jones and Dylan are tricky, even though, I mean, these guys are stars. I mean, 
Colin, as a Green Bay Packers fan, you just have to be so excited to get to watch them every week. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, and the one thing I would say there, you, you did get around it, but I was going to come back in with the... AJ Dillon is also there, part of the conversation. It's, you know, we, we look around the NFL and there is certain backup running backs or secondary running backs. You could even say 1A, 1B. And there is the situation, like people will talk about, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, how that plays out, for example. But when we look at the Packers, like both of these guys are really good, but both of these guys are going to be there bar an injury. The bar an injury part, which we hope doesn't happen, is the biggest problem the other thing is aj Dillon was somebody who two years ago people thought couldn't catch passes because he didn't have to catch passes in college but he has shown over the last kind of 18 months or so he is very capable as a pass catcher as well so i don't think it's just going to go that way it feels like both of the packers running backs are priced at their ceiling but barring an injury only one of those guys is going to hit that ceiling so my concern as well with jones is when they're in the red zone I think that Dylan maybe gets a lot more of that short yardage work as well, which is a bit of a, a concern there. But that was a, a fun exercise to run through the running back side of things. Sean, the other player that we got the question on came in from Mark, and this is something you've touched on on Stealing Bananas already, so we will reference that. But the question, nonetheless, was the road of his overtime and Stealing Bananas team seemed to be very high on Kyle Pitts, taking him in what seems to be every draft, underdog and FFPC. So we're not we're it's not too far off probably it's not every draft but it's pretty close uh, is there a concern that his offense and quarterback will not support his massive breakout looking at the road of his screener nearly all of the epic tight end seasons have been tied to an elite quarterback so he references brady breeze mahomes manning and rivers with a few outliers qb'd by Derek carr Kirk cousins jimmy garoppolo but even those guys were no worse than competent he mentions here so that's obviously the situation with the quarterback in Atlanta that we're looking at there. Is there no concern about Mariota or the offense as a whole? I'm having a hard time looking past this. Pitts is or Pitts has the worst quarterback slash offensive situation out of the big five tight ends. And even the worst of the top tight ends he puts in brackets. So possible that he thinks it's as dire as that. 
I think that the thought process around the quarterback situation there may be a little overblown in terms of how bad Marcus Mariota may be. I think Marcus Mariota can be a very stable quarterback for someone. So if you reference somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think is also able to sustain fantasy production, I think that we can get that from Marcus Mariota. I also think that Atlanta isn't going to be like these teams are going to be bad, but they're still going <laughs> to score points. They're not going to have lose every game 2 0. So they are still going to be uh, you know, able to put up yards, put up points. But have you many concerns around Marcus Mariota or Ritter, whoever ends up being the quarterback there? And then how does that tamper expectations for Kyle Pitts? I feel it doesn't tamper expectations for Kyle Pitts, but what's your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that this is a concern. And it's good that the concern is referenced from time to time so that drafters don't get too crazy listeners don't end up with 100 percent exposure to pits so that listeners are not actually drafting pits where i have him ranked in my rankings which is absurdly high and yet i do think that that is accounted for in the price because if pits had one of these qbs he would be going as the tight end one ahead of travis kelsey you look at what he did as a rookie and where wide receivers like that go and that's more or less what kyle pitts is going to be ben referenced uh, calvin johnson in talking about him i don't think that he is that level of athlete or player necessarily but i mean he's amazing and what he was able to do as a rookie in a terrible situation. And one of the things that I would note here, which I could very easily end up being wrong on, is that I think that Marcus Mariota will actually be an upgrade on Matt Ryan. So it would be a a lot different situation if you were talking about a team like the Seahawks, for example, who were going to go from Russell Wilson to Geno Smith. And even then, I think that the decline in quarterback play to an extent may end up being mildly overstated that's not to say those guys are are similar or close in terms of where they are but just the gap might be very very mildly overstated marcus mariota might be an upgrade he could be a downgrade there's a chance that he completely and totally fails another thing that that ben mentioned on our ceiling banana show which was about aggressiveness and why we wanted to aggressively attack players like kyle pitts was that mariota's actually been very effective in terms of turning Delaney Walker into a tight end fantasy star. I guess I'm just not concerned there. When you look at a team that is you know, not going to be great, they're going to be playing from behind. They're going to be involved in these NFC South shootouts, a lot of which are going to be in very good weather situation or domes. I think that the offensive context is going to be a lot better than what people are thinking about when they're worried about pits but then the other element of it is just the pits volume projection is so extreme compared to other tight ends that he won't have to be that efficient to create this big gap and then if we're wrong and it, by we're i mean including myself where i'm saying i mean i think that marcus Mariota is gonna be fine but i'm not in any way projecting him to have some career renaissance and lead the falcons to the playoffs But we do see those kinds of things happen from time to time. Marcus Mariota was and is a pretty decent talent. He played decently with the Raiders when he had a couple of chances. Again, you put him in a situation where the coaching is competent. 
the Raiders didn't have elite talent around him. You know, when he had those fleeting moments of, I wouldn't say brilliance, but just competency, right? And so you have this competent NFL QB in a situation where the offense is going to need a huge season from Kyle Pitts. I think that those things balance it out. Is the question, you know, does Pitts have some risk because any player in a bad offense has some risk? Then, yeah, I mean, I think that you want to take that into consideration. I don't think that you want to get to where you're taking Pitts in every draft. You and I, in our most recent underdog draft, we actually passed on Pitts for Alvin Kamara because, you know, we may be in this very small window now where you can still get Kamara in some drafts in the late third where, you know, probably by this time next week, unless the news changes, which does happen, you know, he'll probably be mid two right and so we wanted to go ahead and make that move and again it, it keeps us from having pits in every single draft so i think there are some things like that that you're going to look to do but i outside of an injury to pits which and those things can happen in two different ways you can be injured and out and then you don't score any points and you're in deep trouble if you know your exposure is extreme or the player can be injured and then continue to play and if he's injured and continues to play and is not the guy who has this massive talent gap over other NFL tight ends, and then you're in a questionable offense. Well, you know, that's the scenario where you definitely lose on that play. And so with all of these, I mean, you can be right on your analysis and still lose on individual players, which is, which is why you don't go to hundred percent on them, especially on guys in that round two, round three range. You need to have some diversification there. Whereas, you know, you think to last season, for example, and having KJ Hamler in the last round of every draft, that's not going to hurt you in the same way. So make sure you're aware of the pluses and minuses with Pitts, but especially when there are concerns for really the other four of the big five and concerns that in some ways bother me more. I do want to make sure that Pitts is the guy that I have the most exposure to within that group, but then still taking shots on guys like, I mean, Travis Kelsey could put another season where he gaps everybody. Mark Andrews, you know, even if the pass volume craters, I mean, he could basically get all of it. We like Rashad Bateman, but they don't have receivers who are going to take volume away from him. With Marquise Brown leaving, you know, he, he could set records for tight end target share. And then obviously, Darren Waller, we've talked about how we do believe in that Raiders offense. You don't really have to, to go through with George Kittle. He's a superstar. You know, will Trey Lance be able to pass? It's a very straightforward question to ask. You know, we're not going to know the answer until the season is going. And at that point, it's too late to kind of change your exposure. So you, you've got to play the risk-reward game there a little bit too. Having elite tight end is crucial to most of your builds. You know, are there some guys late who might also bail you out or do some serious damage? And we obviously really like Noah Fant, Gerald Everett, and Albert O late and a few other options there late as well yeah and if we look at it as well just from like a the prospect part of things this is somebody who's not turning 22 until october um and had a thousand yards season last year the, the biggest issue with kyle pitts is that he had one touchdown that's obviously a negative for how last season finished but that's likely to improve this year he had 68 receptions as a rookie an amazing rookie tight end but if you think if he was a wide receiver where we'd be looking to take him as well i don't think we'd be um you know pushing them down too much and i i do think 
worrying about Marcus Mariota as the quarterback is in a similar situation to worrying about Jared Goff as the Lions quarterback. I think these guys are going to do enough. They're not might not be great NFL quarterbacks, but they'll be able to get that fantasy production. So that is also Kyle Pitts. They were fun questions. So if there's any other players that listeners think that maybe we're too high on or too low on, we would love to get some of those thoughts as well, and we can answer them on some upcoming shows. But that is going to do it for this episode of the Road of His Overtime podcast. I'll plug it again. I mentioned at the start of the show, Stadium Bananas podcast from Wednesday. There's also a fantastic Friday edition. Check both of those out. If you're signing up for a Road of His NFL pass, you can save yourself 10% by using the promo code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. Once again, you can head on over to roadofis.com forward slash podcast for more information. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at OvertimeIreland. You can check out all of Sean's work up on rotoviz.com. And until we're back with another show, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.